Good morning. Sending you smiles and sunshine for your Friday. God bless you. And it's a picture of a dog in a teacup with a clip art sun shining brightly in the background. This is the sort of thing that makes Kevin Roos from the New York Times jealous. And he's going to explain why today on Follow Friday. But first, today's show is brought to you by Bumblecast, which can help you start a podcast or make an existing podcast better. We work one-on-one with people of all backgrounds and experience levels, from creative individuals to big businesses and everyone in between. Learn more about how Bumblecast can help you achieve your podcasting goals at bumblecast.fm. That's B-U-M-B-L-E-C-A-S-T dot F-M. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Hey. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. Hey. So let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. So now right away. With no further delay. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, a show about the best people on the internet and why you should follow them. If you're new to the show, welcome. Every week I talk to the internet creators I admire most about who they follow online. These include podcasters, writers, comedians, musicians, and more. They have amazing taste and will guide us to the people they find fascinating who we should be following too. Today on the show is Kevin Roos, a technology columnist for the New York Times and the host of the podcast Rabbit Hole. He's also the author of three books, The Unlikely Disciple, Young Money, and a brand new book called Future Proof, Nine Rules for Humans in the Age of Automation. I've asked him to read an excerpt from the introduction to Future Proof here. So Kevin, take it away. Whether you think AI and automation will be great or terrible for humanity... It's important to remember that none of this is predetermined. Executives, not algorithms, decide whether to replace human workers. Regulators, not robots, decide what limits to place on emerging technologies like facial recognition and targeted digital advertising. The engineers building new forms of AI have a say in how those tools are designed, and users can decide whether these tools are morally acceptable or not. This is the truth about the AI revolution. There's no looming machine takeover, no army of malevolent robots plotting to rise up and enslave us. It's just people deciding what kind of society we want. Well, clearly Kevin has never seen my favorite documentary, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, but that's all right. You can find Future Proof wherever you buy books or at futureproofthebook.com. So Kevin, welcome to Follow Friday. Thanks so much for having me. So given this show is all about pushing back on letting algorithms tell us who to follow, I am really excited about Future Proof. I'm happy uh, to have you on the show today. Congrats on, on the new book. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's been fun. This is this is a very early stop in my uh, in my book tour. So you're getting the uh, the unvarnished, uh, less practice. You're getting the, the rough cut. I wouldn't ask for anything else. So before you were a New York Times columnist or an author or a podcaster, I remember reading about you in a book called The Year of Living Biblically. Uh, in the book, You Were a Slave. Do you, do you, want, do you want to explain what that was about? <laughs> yeah, so this was when, this was my first job. I was, I was still in college, and um, I wanted to intern for this author named A.J. Jacobs, whose books I loved. So I wrote him a letter, and I said, I'm a college student. I want to be a writer someday. 
can I come intern for you for for the summer? I'll pick up your dry cleaning. I'll I'll do your grocery shopping, whatever you need. And um, AJ, who's become a, a, a great friend and a mentor, uh, wrote back and he said, well, I, I'd be happy to give you an internship, but under one condition, um, I'm writing a book where I try to follow all the rules in the Bible for an entire year, including the very obscure ones that no one follows. Um, and part of the book that I've been struggling with is how to handle the parts of the Bible about slavery. <laughs> so he says, <laughs> he said, um, if I make you my intern, is it okay if I refer to you as my biblical slave? Um, <laughs> so I said, sure. And he put me in his book and, um, and that was the start of a, of a long and fruitful friendship. Well, uh, let's find out who Kevin Roos, the now uh, accomplished, now successful author, follows. If you want to follow along with us, everything we talk about today will be linked in the show notes and on our website, followfridaypodcast.com. It's Final Friday. So, Kevin, before the show, I gave you a list of categories, and I asked you to tell me four people you follow who fit in those categories. Your first pick is in the category, Someone Who Makes You Laugh, and you said your colleague, Ested W. Herndon, who's on Twitter at Ested Wesley. Ested is spelled A-S-T-E-A-D, and Wesley is spelled W-E-S-L-E-Y. So, tell us about Ested and what he does, why he makes you laugh. So Ested is is uh, one of my colleagues. Um, I like him a lot in person, but on Twitter he is sort of pulled off this amazing balancing act, and he would be like mortified if if uh, if he heard this and, and knew that I was talking <laughs> about him in these terms. So he's like he's a little bit younger than I am. He's on our politics team. He's an amazing reporter. Um, his his work is so so good. Um, covers politics and and was you know covering the 2020 campaign on the road and like. A thing that I have often felt in the course of like doing this job um, at the New York Times over the last few years is that it's like so hard to not become like a cartoon version of yourself Hmm. Um, and like so hard not to get like locked into this avatar personality that you hate. (laughs) Yeah. Like and Estet is really like good at he doesn't take himself too seriously but he tweets about serious things but he also tweets about like his favorite soccer team and like has like great meme game and also like engages with serious conversations without like Mm -hmm. like I, i feel constantly like jealous of people who are able to kind of walk that line between like being a serious person but not acting like you think you're a serious person or something it's sort of like taking like a total vitamin he's giving you everything you need if you only follow a couple people on twitter he will give you news and memes and jokes and commentary it's it's a, a lot of different things all at once yeah, and it's like he has managed to avoid. I, I don't know how he feels about his Twitter personality, but I I often feel like my Twitter personality is like not me. Like it's like this other version of me that I have mm-hmm. created, and that I like often think is not as cool or not as funny or not as interesting as who I am because Twitter sort of like flattens people into right. these like two dimensional you know modes of expression and so and I know this is like I, I love my job and I, I, have, I have very few complaints about it um, but like one thing that that is hard about being at the New York Times is that like you become a sort of ambassador for the institution for and mm-hmm. in ways that are good but also in ways that are bad and like you know that you have fucked up on Twitter when people are just quoting your tweet and saying like doing the down pointing arrow and saying like New York times reporter, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, or like, I can't believe a New York times reporter is saying this. And it's like, yes, I am a New York times reporter. And also like, 
I am more than that. But like on Twitter, um, you know, people have strong feelings about the New York Times and those come into view. And so in, in light of that, like it is very tempting to just like totally sanitize your Twitter presence of like anything resembling a personality. It, there's like no, there's like less upside in being right. interesting. Um, and so, and there's a lot of possible downside if you like tweet something offensive or um, people, you know, find something to take out of context. So uh, yeah, Estet is very funny um, and a very good reporter, but mostly I admire the way that he has been able to like tweet incessantly without becoming a monster. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I hope to uh, one day undo some of my monstrosity and, and become more (laughs) like the Twitter person that I, I want to be. Well, it is funny that you mentioned the idea of becoming a cartoon version of yourself. Um, I also follow Estet. I think he's great. And it's funny you say cartoon version because his avatar, as a screenshot from the Will Smith animated movie Spies in Disguise, maybe he just tweets so much, I've seen it so much, I feel like he can never change it. It's just like an iconic part of his Twitter presence, I feel like. Have you ever considered what what would be your, if you had to change your avatar to a picture of something that's not you, what would be your uh, cartoon avatar? or something similar? Yeah, well, my Slack avatar is um, the 1990s video game character Commander Keen. Okay. Um, <laughs> because that was my favorite video game. And also, like, I don't know, Slack is is like strange. It's like people you, you work with and so they want, HR wants people to use their real, you know, corporate headshots, mm-hmm. but I kind of like don't want to do that for various reasons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm, I crossed the like Twitter monstrosity bridge a long time ago because I just like once you hit like a certain follower count or a certain, you know, like it just you think harder about what you're doing. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that makes you less interesting. (laughs) And like (laughs) you can't just like, you know, fire off the the takes like you used to when you had, you know, 300 followers. Um, So, yeah, I, I would probably switch my my cartoon character uh, avatar to Twitter too but um you know I'm promoting a book now so you know it's yeah uh, I can't really do that yeah uh, we're we're Kevin Roos Inc right now <laughs> well after the book tour is done you know you and Estad and uh Charmin Bear Mike Isaac and Blobfish Taylor Lorenz like all all of, all of the New York Times Justice League of of you know not real pictures I think you should all get together yeah well, I'm just a sellout so I I admire those people because they you know I'm I'm now in the land of the like Twitter professionals which is not a place I like being I, I miss <laughs> I miss being uh you know stupid and, and weird on Twitter that was Ested W. Herndon, who's on Twitter at Ested Wesley. It's Final Friday. Let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone you're jealous of. You said The Horse Mafia, which is a page on Facebook that has more than three and a half million likes. And, and Kevin, I gotta say, this is the weirdest shit anyone has yet recommended on this show. <laughs> so, I am not on Facebook personally and had never heard of this page until today, so I'm out of the loop. Why don't you explain it to the best of your ability? <laughs> well, I'll, I think it'll make more sense if I if I start at the beginning of how I encountered the horse mafia. So a couple years ago, I started a um, process where every day I would wake up and I would go and I would check on the most popular posts on Facebook or the posts that were getting the most engagement just to kind of see like, what's the leaderboard like over there? Mm-hmm. And I use this tool called CrowdTangle. It's a Facebook data tool. And it allows you to see like, of the most popular things on Facebook yesterday that got the most engagement, like what are the top 10 or 20 or 30? 
And over and over again, I kept seeing like it, it was sort of the usual suspects for most of it is, you know, um, Donald Trump and George Takai and, you know, um, Breitbart and, you know, Kim Kardashian. And then there would be this page called the Horse Mafia. <laughs> like, every day, the Horse Mafia was like in the top 20 at least once. And, like they, oh they are amazingly dominant um, on, on Facebook. And their Facebook posts are like clearly targeted at a very specific demographic which I would characterize as like Christian moms and so it's like every day they post these like very lo-fi like Microsoft paint style like (laughs) clip art memes that say you know like like today's was good morning sending you smiles and sunshine for your Friday God bless you and it's a picture of a dog in a teacup with a clip art sun shining brightly (laughs) in the background and like sort of scripted I mean it's basically hallmark cards for Facebook and it's so consistent and they're so popular and like every time I'm scrolling through the the crowd tangle list they just make me laugh because it's like this is like the happiest, most purest person in the world. I have no idea who runs it. It could be a Russian operation for all I know, (laughs) but it is so pleasant and like unfailingly kind and decent that I'm just like, thank you, Horse Mafia, for existing. Okay, so this really speaks to the side of the internet I hang out on. My immediate assumption is this is so bad. This must be a parody of Boomer Facebook. This must be a parody of the sort of wholesome (laughs) memes that people share on Facebook. But it sounds like uh, your best guess is that, no, this is sincere. This is I don't think it's a bit. I think it's just really, (laughs) I think it's earnest. Um, And I love it for that. Like, if it turned out to be a bit, I would be pretty devastated, to be frank. I want to to think that there is someone out there who is just sharing, you know, horse mafia memes on Facebook and, and has never encountered all of the bad stuff. Because I'm, I'm sure you've seen there's lots of Facebook groups where people role play as something they're not. Sometimes it's millennials or Gen Z people pretending to be boomers. Uh, my favorite, though, is a, a group where we all pretend to be ants in an ant colony. There are almost <laughs> two million people, and they're only allowed to post about moving bread or serving the queen. We all need this vaccine to come so bad. <laughs> I, I Well said, yeah. So, okay, I, I guess... You say you're jealous of the horse mafia, like you're you're jealous of just sort of how consistent they are. Or unpack that a little bit more for me. I'm jealous of the of the brain that produces the horse mafia. <laughs> like I would like to switch consciousnesses with the person who runs the horse mafia because nothing bad. They don't. There's never any reference to anything happening in the news. There's never any politics. There's never any like you know fights with other Facebook pages like it is the purest most sort of unambiguously positive place on the internet and I just want to I want to switch lives with that person that's that's what makes me uh, inspired all right well here's hoping that we can all have pure and unambiguously positive lives in the future honestly I'm, I'm supportive of that too and I'm like you I, I really hope it's not a bit I just you know I, I think that would make me sad as well <laughs> it's gonna end up being like marketing for Axe body spray or something exactly. I don't know something something horrible like that I, I feel like I've been burned by this sort of thing before but I will keep my hopes up regardless <laughs> thank you horse mafia we love you that was the horse mafia which you can find at facebook.com slash the horse mafia Coming up, Kevin will talk about why we should both take a nap today and the very famous person he's embarrassed to admit he follows. But first, we're going to take a quick break. This episode and every episode of Follow Friday are produced by Bumblecast. 
which will help you achieve your podcasting goals too. Whether you're looking to build a bigger following, connect with customers or employees, or just get your story out there, podcasts should be part of your plan. And even if you have no experience with podcasting, Bumblecast can help. You'll get personalized guidance and will learn the tricks that award-winning professionals use to start and grow successful audio shows. Check it out at bumblecast.fm. That's B-U-M-B-L-E-C-A-S-T dot F-M. One more thing before we get back to Kevin. If you're the sort of person who normally tunes out at the end of a podcast, that's cool. I totally get it. You're probably a very busy person. But today, just today, at the end of the show, I'm going to tell you about another independent podcast that I think you'll love. So please keep on listening till the end. Thanks. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Kevin Roos, I asked you for someone who inspires you, and you said The Nap Ministry, which is on Instagram at The Nap Ministry. That sounds like something that is advocating for the benefits of taking a nap, but after the horse mafia, you know, I don't know what to believe anymore. So tell us about the nap ministry. Yeah, the nap ministry is something I found um, fairly recently, and it's run by um, this woman, Trissa Hersey, who's a sort of poet and activist. Um, She's a, a black woman, and she refers to herself as the nap bishop. And her whole thing is like, napping is really important like it's a it's about rest and and recovery as sort of a social justice issue but it's it's all about sort of the the value of like sleeping during the middle of the day as like an act of resistance almost so one of them says um exhaustion will not create liberation um normalize rest divest from capitalism lay your ass down Um, (laughs) you are not a machine stop grinding i mean it's just it's it's really um on point and and i i'm really supportive of um this work because i think it's it's reframing napping from something that is you know for lazy Mm -hmm. people um to something that is crucial to our functioning as as human beings um which is something i i um you know am supportive of and i i really i really like this account yeah, just to make it even more explicit, I found an older video of theirs where they do these like live nap-in events, it seems, where they, they set up pillows and blankets and they just invite people to just come and take a break, take a nap. And so this is an older video on their Instagram page, and it's just a video of a, of a woman taking a nap. And over the top, uh, the text overlaid on her says, We rest together to resist the lie that our worth is tied to the grind of capitalism. This is actually really interesting because in your book, you are talking about the grinding of capitalism and sort of the way that automation is going to change so many jobs in across the world. So so how do you square the societal changes you're writing about in the book with your your belief in this and in, in this, you know, reclaiming your time, this form of protest? Well, one of the big things that I discovered while researching this book, which involved you know, talking to AI experts and economists and historians, um, spending years looking into this issue of how we can protect ourselves from being replaced by robots. And one of the things that I've sort of figured out um, with these experts' help is that we've been training for this all wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, we have been telling people for years, like, Go into a STEM field, learn to code, you know, work as hard as you possibly can, you know, hustle, Mm -hmm. um, grind it out. You know, if you're if you're only working nine to five, you're only doing, you know, half your job. Um, That kind of attitude is so omnipresent in the corporate world today. Um, And actually, the, the AI scientists that I talked to said we should be doing exactly the opposite, because 
no one is ever going to outwork a machine. It's not right. possible. And so we have to differentiate ourselves by being very human, by doing things that machines can't do. And those are things like, you know, expressing creativity and collaboration and critical thinking and and coming up with new ideas. Um, these are things that AI doesn't do very well. And one of the preconditions for doing that stuff is that you have to you have to be able to function on a sort of an executive level. Like you have right. to, you can't be, you know, you know, working 18 hour days and expect yourself to be coming up with creative and human ideas. And so one of the sort of things that I recommend in the book is that people, um, take naps yeah. uh, because it's, um, they're, you recharge. know, recharge, um, and, and that it's actually not by, you know, working very, very hard for a very long period of time is, um, is not a very good way to deal with the onslaught of, you know, AI and automation. It's not going to help you when the, when the robots come. <laughs> uh, have you had a nap today yet? I have not, but I really plan on one. Um, okay. as, as soon as five o'clock hits, I am, I am out. <laughs> well, that was my next question, which is, um, if you do, if you are trying to make napping a part of your schedule, like wh- when do you take a nap? How long do you nap for? Um, I take 20 minute naps. I've found that that's like my sweet spot. Um, and I'll usually take one like in the early afternoon. I have a, a home office and there's a, a couch next to my desk. And so I'll just I'll just sort of like if I have 20 minutes between Zooms or interviews or something, I'll just I'll just uh, lay down for a little bit. Yeah, I think I need to reprogram myself if I'm going to start napping during the day because I, you know, have at least one, usually two cups of coffee every day. And I, I'm I'm so highly caffeinated. I, I, I don't know. I would need to, like, train myself to, <laughs> to, to to wind down for some part of the day rather than just go, go, go until I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not something I do every day. And, and I, I'm aspiring to do better on that. But I think the um, the nap ministry is, is it, whenever I come across it in my feed, I'm reminded that this is something that I need to do. That was The Nap Ministry, which is on Instagram at The Nap Ministry. It's Final Friday. We have time for one more follow today. Kevin, I asked you for someone you're embarrassed to admit you follow, and you said entrepreneur and motivational speaker Gary Vaynerchuk, also known as Gary V. And I just like to say, boom, you are crushing it with his recommendation, Kevin. And in all seriousness, I'm grateful you're willing to share this with us. So explain who Gary V is and, and why you like it. So... Gary Vee is, I mean, if you've been on the internet in the last 10 years, you have definitely seen Gary Vee. He's, yeah. um, he's on every platform with millions of followers. He was sort of the original like hustle influencer. Um, you know, he would post about how he, you know, uh, never sleeps and always works and grinds. And his books are called things like, you know, I think he has two books and I think they're called crush it and crushing it. (laughs) I I looked this up while I was writing my book and I just think that's like an amazing, um, you know, uh, franchise he's developing there. Yep. Um, and you know, I don't have anything against him. I, yeah. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but like, I hate the hustle culture that he has come to embody that tells people that, you know, you should just work as hard as you possibly can. And if mm-hmm. you take a weekend off or a night off, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're losing ground to s- some other hustler who's hustling harder than you. It's become this almost competitive sport. Right. Um, and so like I associate Gary Vee with that, kind of mindset, uh, which is why I'm somewhat embarrassed to follow him. I, I would say like there's, I, I appreciate the fact that he has sort of moderated himself on this because he no longer tells people that you have to work 18 hours a day. Oh, right. Um, I, I don't follow him. So I wasn't aware that he had modulated his, his message recently. 
Yeah, well, I think people sort of, I think the tide is turning on the hus- on the hustle culture movement. I think people are realizing that it, you know, it leads to burnout, it leads to exhaustion, it doesn't do anything great for people's, you know, mental or physical health. And so he's, he's now, you know, more into like telling people how to market themselves on social media or something. He's very, um, he's very engaging. Um, I understand why he has lots of followers. I just happen to think like, it's, it's one of the more obnoxious archetypes of like, <laughs> a, a person on LinkedIn that you would run into who would you know, scold you for taking a weekend. Yeah, there's a lot of folks on, on, especially on LinkedIn and on Twitter, who are like, I guess thought leaders is the term people used to use. I don't know if they still say that, but where they're just posting sort of not too dissimilar from the horse mafia, just a different audience. You know, motivational memes where where it's just like quotes overlaid on on a photo, and it's supposed to you know inspire you to live a better life. Do you, do you find when you come across a post like that in your LinkedIn or wherever, does that actually prompt some thinking or some action on your part in the same way that the NAP ministry or, or something else would? It does, but I don't, you know, it definitely makes me think about my own productivity, but I don't mm-hmm. like that. Like I want to, I want to not think about that stuff because I think it, it I, I actually think his advice was probably good for, um, for many, many years that people could differentiate themselves through working themselves to the bone and mm-hmm. hustling. And, and I think that's just not like, that's not how, things are going. Um, that's yeah. not how the, the economy is going to work when, you know, all the really, all the jobs that, you know, would take 18 hours a day to do are being done by machines uh, and the stuff that's left. And they're being done in two hours. Yeah. And they're being done in milliseconds. And right. so for, for us, what's going to be left um, for humans to do is going to be the stuff that requires creativity and compassion and mm-hmm. courage and all these things that, that robots don't have. And, and I think the, the goal of being more human that I write about in this book that we need to do is at odds with the kind of grind culture, hustle culture that Gary Vee has, has uh, pervaded. I guess more generally, though, I'm thinking of self-help culture. I mean, this is such a huge thing, especially in America, and has been for centuries, right? This idea of trying to improve ourselves, trying to figure out ways to be ahead of the future. I mean, Future Proof certainly falls in that in that bucket in a lot of ways. It's a practical book written for people who are not necessarily technical themselves. So I, I, how do you generally feel about you know self-help and about um, just the self-help content online? I guess it depends what you mean by self-help. I mean, I, I was talking to someone yesterday and they said, did you write a self-help book? And I said, <laughs> well, well, literally, yes. I was trying to help myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, this book is about, in part, the reason I wrote it is because I was worried about losing my job to a robot um, because journalism, you know, robots are, are being used at major news organizations now and they're writing all kinds of stories and they're, you know, they're doing lots of things that reporters used to do. And so I said, it's a it's a self-help book in the sense that I was trying to help myself, but I don't know if I'm going to be leading any like Tony Robbins style seminars in, <laughs> in stadiums or anything like that. Well, hey, you know, keep, keep the door open to that. You, you never know. Maybe, maybe someday you, you too can be a cult leader walking on hot coals. <laughs> Listen, I will give you a very special introductory rate on the, uh, on the first <laughs> seminar. <laughs> that was Gary V, who's on basically every platform at Gary, G-A-R-Y-V-V-E-E, and at GaryVanerchuk.com. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for sharing your follows with us today. Before we go, let's make sure listeners know how to find you and Future Proof online. Where do you want them to follow you? Yeah, you can follow me at Kevin Roos on on Twitter. Um, 
you can go to my website, kevinroos.com, and there's a, a website where you can buy the book um, called futureproofthebook.com. Great. You can find me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ and my email newsletter, watchthis.substack.com, where I write short, spoiler-free reviews of movies and TV shows and other things I'm watching. Follow this show on Twitter or Instagram at followfridaypod. You can find transcripts, links, pictures, and more at followfridaypodcast.com. Our theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodie Hermawan. Additional music by Purple Planet Music and Catherine Chang. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday. Now that you're done with Follow Friday, let me tell you about another podcast I love, Let's Make a Music. It's a music-slash-comedy show that comes out every other week, and the team that makes it writes, composes, and performs a brand new song in every episode, often inspired by listener suggestions. And you might know them from other stuff they've done around the internet. They are Brian David Gilbert, Laura Catherine Gilbert, and Karen Hahn, and their producer is Jonah Scott, just an incredibly talented group of folks. This is one of those podcasts that I listen to immediately whenever it comes out. It is so much fun. So go listen to Let's Make a Music wherever you get your podcasts and find them on Twitter where you can send in suggestions at Let's Make a Music.